0: This is the Propellex Podcast, a discussion on investing in all things startups. Startup investing is highly risky. Please listen carefully to the disclosures at the end of this podcast.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Andy, and this is the PropelX Podcast. We'll be continuing our series on diligence. Uh, thus far, we've presented a framework on how to evaluate startups. Uh, the framework has eight risk factors, the first of, first of which uh, was market, which we previously addressed. We also had a discussion on team, and today we're going to dive into a discussion on competition. So I'm joined, as always, by Swati Chattervedi, CEO of Propel Hi, Swati. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me on your podcast again. Uh, and I'm excited to get into competition. Um, Competition is one of the kind of major factors that I think people look at when they're talking about you know the success or potential success of uh, you know a, an investment in a startup. Let's start at the top how how should we think about competition?
2: Um, yeah it's it's very important uh, and we should start with the status quo, which is what's going on right now. Status quo is always. Uh, a competitor and if not the main competitor because it's hard to get people to move uh, from the status quo. So status quo is always uh, one competitor and then you have to look at other companies that that are solving the same problem by different methods potentially, right? There'll be companies using similar technology but there'll be companies using different technologies. Um, so in general, if we were to think of competitors Real competitors are those that offer a better solution to the status quo in one of three ways: they are either lower cost, or better performance, or more convenient, or any combination of the three. But there's really three benefits that competitors offer, and there's this concept of the Pareto curve, right, where you can uh, where you reach a point where you can't improve on one uh, without uh, having worse, without getting worse on the other. So, for example. You can continue to lower costs to an extent until you start compromising on performance and so on. But in general, one characteristic is often kind of tradable against the other.
1: Mm-hmm. And so just to clarify what you're saying, so you're saying the status quo, you're saying what is, what's in the market today? What are customers buying? What are, what's, what's out there that's being sold that this um, product you know, is going to compete directly against? That's what you mean by the status quo, right? Yes.
2: yes. How are they currently solving the problem?
1: Yeah, and then just to go through an example of the curve, you know, you could think of something like super light, uh, you know, race cars that you can get lighter and lighter and lighter by adding, you know, more composite materials, but the cost will skyrocket. So that's like an example of a trade-off with, you know, an industry that's probably pretty efficient because they're pretty mature.
2: Yeah, very good. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. But the key point is there are these three characteristics that can be improved upon, cost Mm and convenience.
1: Mm -hmm. Is there another example um, that you would think of that's just a a good example from kind of maybe more the deep tech startup world?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the automotive example is a really good example. Another one that we can think of is a wearable blood pressure monitor. So you may know there's a lot which are currently in development, Um, nothing, where the performance is perfect currently on market. Uh, But a wearable blood pressure monitor is definitely more convenient. It's giving you real-time readings and a lot of data, right? So you're, you're actually monitoring your blood pressure consistently and continuously, as opposed to the one time that you go to the doctor. So it's more convenient. Is it lower cost? Well, when you go to the doctor, it's a free... Uh, monitoring, except that you pay for the copay, right? But these devices are likely going to cost more than the one-time copay. Uh, is it better performance? As of today, that is not the case. In fact, that is what various startups are working on: is getting performance up to par, uh, if not better than the status quo. So here we're trading uh, convenience against performance and cost, uh, but. Convenience may trump uh, other things. So, in any event, blood pressure monitor is something that needs to be approved by the FDA, especially if it has to meet the medical standards. And in that case, you know, it will have to meet the baseline of blood pressure monitoring performance accuracy, that is to say. Uh, and then everything else will be tradable against the other. So, that's another example.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting example, and I think it actually goes into uh, an aspect of competition that's really important, which is like, what is the actual market that they're competing in? So you gave the example of um, you know, a continuous or a wearable blood pressure monitor, uh, and then I think you mentioned that it could be continuous. So the, there's wearable blood pressure monitors and then continuous wearable blood pressure monitors. Uh, and essentially, these are devices that are wireless, that are hooked up, and they do non-invasive blood pressure monitoring. And that's uh, in contrast to something where you're kind of stationary, you're sitting in the chair, like you, what just goes into the doctor's office. And I would imagine for a wearable blood pressure monitor um, to actually hit the market, you know, they're, they're like you said, probably not going to have um, a cost advantage relative to the cuff that you wear that's really cheap. Um, But there must be essentially a market application or use case uh, that would justify the higher pricing. Um, So one of those three um, pillars that you mentioned, likely better performance or providing more data over time. If there's actually a customer need for that, then they're not exactly directly competing with the, you know, cuffs that you get at the doctor's office. They're in the same general market, but they're not competing head to head.
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, someone who would spend that kind of money on a wearable blood pressure monitor are the people who actually need it, right? So who need to be monitored continuously, possibly people who have chronic problems uh, with related to blood pressure and so on. So those are the people who it would most benefit and who would be willing to spend for it. So yes, the market is then smaller than the whole general population, which gets its blood pressure monitored every once in a while, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so that seems like an easier said than done distinction to make in diligence. Like, I kind of get that, but, you know, if we were to take another example of a company and try to understand who really is the competition, what advice do you have um, on, you know, for people who are going through diligence, diligence To understand, uh, you know, who exactly the competitors are.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So that's good. Good, important to find out, right? Who else, other than the status quo, who else is solving the problem? Uh, well, so first and foremost, startups present typically a competitor chart in their pitch decks, uh, which we should not rely upon. Uh, but this chart can serve as a starting point. Uh, typically, it's a two by two uh, where you have two axes and somehow the said startup will be on the top right corner, which is their best on all axes, on both axes. Um, but the the advantage of that or the benefit of that chart is at least it gives you the names of the key competitors and you can start from there. You can start researching from there. So that's one, one thing, one place to start. But the most important is talking to people, talk to the customers. So what I have found to be most useful Talk to the customer and sometimes the startup themselves will refer you to the customer and ask them, hey, who else have you considered in the past? Why did you pick this instead of the others? And once you talk to two or three, you will start to get a sense of who is in the market. Talk to customers and industry experts. Ask them about the status quo, what it takes to shake that and who else have they considered? Who else have they seen offering a similar solution?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, another thing you might find is that, um, you know, the decision-making on a purchase, which is ultimately, you know, how money is transferred, um, may be more nuanced than just, you know, what is the technology or what is the, you know, where are they located or different factors that uh, might appear to be important at first, but really kind of talking to customers, you kind of get an understanding of, you know, why they made that decision. I mean, there's also a ton of industry materials that are kind of available on the internet for a low cost uh, or, you know, sometimes free. So there's industry reports, um, particularly for startups, Crunchbase comes to mind as one that's pretty available. Even something like AngelList, where you're kind of digging around and looking at the competition. The National Science Foundation has uh, a directory of all the different companies that they've given grants to. Um, so it can get a little bit uh, thick in terms of the amount of things that you're digging through, but what are your thoughts on um, you know, equity research reports, trend reports, the kind of high level, where are these markets headed and who's participating in them?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, those are great sources. Uh, the only thing that I would say is that typically equity research reports cover uh, more mature companies, right? But they'll give you trends and sector trends and so on. Uh, But if you really want to find names of competitors, I think what you mentioned, AngelList, for example, is a good source, platforms, Crunchbase, you know, which tells you which are the similar companies. Absolutely, those are very relevant. And there's always the uh, Google search, which we cannot Mm -hmm. do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll just share a little bit of my experience with those, which is that they can be a good starting place, but, you you know, you might find companies that are, in fact, no longer in existence or, again, getting back to the customer example, um, you know, they may not be actually directly competing with the company. So it's a good thing for kind of market overview, but it doesn't really replace uh, or I'd say it's more of a supplement to kind of like boots on the ground type research. Great. Well, Swati, this has been, I think, pretty informative. Um, I don't actually have many other questions. I think this is a good starting point um, for you know, engaging in diligence. Are there any kind of parting thoughts that you want to um, make sure that investors walk away with?
2: No, I mean, I think the only thing that I want to reiterate is these are high-risk companies. There is no exact science to diligence, but if you follow a process, right? Then you can be more exhaustive than if you don't. And the process is something that we have put out there in the form of that evaluation framework. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if you follow that framework or any other framework, then it's a great way to do your diligence, have a process, use our framework if you want to, use your own, develop others, uh, you know, however works for you, but have a process. And Great. more to come, you know, we'll be covering other, other risk factors and how to evaluate those in, in later episodes, of course.
1: Yeah, well, Swati, thanks so much for your insights. This is very informative. And uh, I'm glad that we're kind of getting through the overall framework for how to evaluate a startup uh, in due diligence.
2: Great. Thank you, Andy. Nice to be here. Nice to discuss this with you. I know. All right.
1: Until next time, this is the ProPlex podcast.
0: Propelex is a funding platform, not a broker-dealer. Securities are offered through Hubble Investments, member FINRA SIPC, and an affiliate of Propelex. Private investments are highly illiquid and risky and are not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You should speak with your financial advisor, accountant, and or attorney when evaluating private offerings. Neither PropelX nor Hubble Investments makes any recommendations or provides advice about investments. Additional information and disclosures can be found on our website, propelex.com.